0: Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. First Samuel chapter 2. You know, you know you have a problem when the churchgoer is trying to correct the leader. Now, look, every leader is human, so it it doesn't mean that someone who's a worshipper can't come up and point out something and even correct us on something. That's not what I mean. But day after day, here's what was happening. The worshipers were going, what in the world's going on here? This is not the way things are supposed to be. And the stories began to spread about Hophni and Phinehas, and they were coming back to the ears of Eli. And it was, give it to me now. And it had gotten so bad that they would say, end of 16, no, you shall give it to me now, and if not... Uh, there's gonna be a couple guys that are visit your house later. They're known as the three wise guys, they'll be dressed in black. <laughs> I mean these guys were threatening the people trying to do it God's way and saying, Oh, and by the way, if you don't give it to me, see this fork? I'm not gonna use this on the on the meat anymore. This is for you. People were going, Okay, sheesh. And it was getting ugly. People were being exploited. People were being abused. And thus the sin of the young men, 17, was very great before the Lord. Notice how this section ends. For the men, Hophni and Phineas, despised the offering of the Lord. It didn't matter to them. All, all they were in it for was themselves. All that the offering meant to them was, I can get what I want. Isn't this a great racket? They didn't even know God. But religion was certainly doing them well. They had all kinds of wonderful meals. They had all kinds of power. They had all, they were abusing that power. They were taking what belonged to the Lord. It was a frenzy of gluttony. And they would take literally the languages they would take it into themselves. And by contrast, Samuel was ministering to the Lord. Look at verse 18. Now Samuel, the contrast to Eli Uh, excuse me, to Eli's sons, which are Hophni and Phinehas. Now Samuel was ministering before the Lord as a boy. He was wearing a linen ephod. Now the linen ephod is a sleeveless garment that the priests would wear and it would kind of go over their shoulders and it could go down very low on their body. But this is to be distinguished from the ephod that was worn exclusively by the high priest because that ephod went over, and we, I've shown you pictures of that before, and then they would, they would tie the gemstones, um, the, which was often known as the Urim and the Thummim, um, to the chest of the high priest, and they would have the twelve gemstones representing what? The twelve tribes of Israel. And that would tie to the high priest's um, uh, shoulders, and it would, it would be right in front of his chest, near to his heart. And the picture was, the twelve tribes are near to God's heart. But that's not what's what uh, Samuel has here, because he's obviously not the high priest. So he's wearing an ephod. Even David in 2 Samuel 6.14 is wearing an ephod as he dances before the Lord, that's 2 Samuel 6.14. So it's some sort of garment for praising the Lord, uh, normally worn by a priest. Now notice what happens. And his mother would make him a little robe, 19, and bring it to him from year to year when she would come up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. And one thing that we noted about Elkanah and his wife Hannah was that they would come year after year, maybe for the Passover, to Shiloh. They were very faithful. Now that they've left uh, little Samuel there to minister, they go back home to Ramah and they would come back at least once a year. And can you imagine what that had to be like for this mom, for, for Hannah? And apparently all year long, while she waited for this trip, she would make she work on this little robe. Now this is resonating with some of the ladies. You know, oh yeah. How many of you sew or crochet? How many of you do underwater crocheting? <laughs> How many guys want to admit that you sew? Actually, I know some guys that sew and yeah. And you know. They're in touch with their masculinity. It's all right. So, And his mother, would, she would make him a little robe, kind of a little priestly robe, and she'd bring it to him. And you all know how kids grow. I mean, if you haven't seen that kid for a year, you have to be able to estimate up, right? I mean, I have to buy new shoes for my kids like every two months, cuz they just they're growing and then they blow through shoes and that's just how it is. Well, notice the tender love that Hannah has for her son. She'd bring this little robe and she'd have some sort of reunion with him and she worked on this and she would give it and I'm sure it was I'm sure her heart of love was just poured into every stitch. 20. And before I move on I know some of you have some precious things that um, grandmas and moms have given you that they made with their own hands. Those are really precious gifts to just think about the love that was woven into that. Then Eli would bless Alkanah. So Eli is extending a blessing to him and his wife Hannah and say, May the Lord give you children from this woman in place of the one she dedicated to the Lord. And they went to their own home. Now, Eli's not all bad. I mean, he's obviously a gracious guy and he's, he's prayed a blessing and he had prayed for them before. He had extended a blessing to them before. And now he says, okay, you've dedicated this child. Now I pray that God will give you back much more. One writer says, they gave one to God and received five more without losing the first. He gave her back far more than she had given him. He says, God still works in the same way. For those who love him and seek to live according to his plan and purpose. And the Lord 21 visited Hannah, and she conceived and gave birth to three sons and two daughters. And the boy Samuel grew before the Lord. You know, sometimes we are hesitant to give God our first fruits because we can tend to hold on to things. But the spiritual principle is this if you're willing to give of your best to God, He's going to give you much more. Than you gave. As a matter of fact, he'll bless you with the knowledge that what you gave to him is being blessed and used, and he's going to give you many times over. He's going to bless you with a blessing that you cannot contain. And now, the woman that was once barren, guess what she's got now? A big family. And do you think she just just took a moment to talk to Panina about it? Remember Panina, the pain? Remember Panina, the one who could have the babies, and every year at the festival, hey, 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 I can have the babies, You can have the babies." Well, now it's over. Now, Hannah's able to say, "You know what? In your face, Panina. <laughs> huh? It's always nice when you can rejoice <laughs> in the Lord's blessing. I would highly recommend that you use that. I'm just kidding. So now she's got this full and blessed family. The woman whose name means grace, who was once barren and broken, is now truly full. I tell you what, that's me. Maybe that's you. You can look back on a barren of, barrenness of life, emptiness without the Lord searching, wondering what your life was about, And she who was once barren and broken is now full. I mean, how many times did she have to step back and just say, Lord, you're just so good. Look what you've done for me. I've got little kids running everywhere. I've got a kid who's the the next priest and judge for Israel and you are going to make him a kingmaker. You have blessed me. Look, we've got to stop sometimes because I know we can go down our negative list a lot, but we've got to stop sometimes and say just take some inventory. Lord, look what you have done in my life. Look at the blessings that I had. Where once there was nothing, when maybe I, I wondered if there would ever be a family or if there would ever be these kinds of blessings. And now look what you've done in my life. Yeah, there were tough years. Yeah, it was difficult. But you got me through it. Now, Eli, 22, was very old. And he heard all that his sons were doing to all Israel and how, now we get a little bit more detail, and how they lay with the women who served, get this, at the doorway of the tent of meeting. Now, those who serve at the tent of meeting are the Levites numbers 423 and 824, But Exodus 38.8 says says that women were serving at the opening of the tent of meeting. And it says the serving women who served at the doorway of the tent of meeting, they used uh, portions of what they had for the mirrors at that time. And these women who had come to serve at the tabernacle, well, the two young priests, sons of Eli, you know what they were doing? They were grabbing these women and their greed was not just about money, and it wasn't not just about power. Their greed was freighted with sexual greed, and they began to take these women who had come, I would imagine, in good conscience, to try to serve God, and they're sleeping with all of them. And Eli was hearing these stories. And I don't have to tell you, but there's been some terrible stories of people who came, you know, with good intentions to worship somewhere or to be part of something that was spiritual. And they found that in some religious context, they were abused sexually. That's got to be one of the saddest of all situations. Someone comes, you know, trying to, to find some purity, trying to find, you know, something good and noble in life. And what happens? They're exploited for it. And Hophni and Phinehas, now you're seeing why they're called worthless men. They have no care about what's sacred. They have no care for honor. All they're there for is to exploit everything that they can exploit. Samuel is ministering to the Lord and these guys, well, they have a terrible reputation. And he said to them, now imagine being this dad. What would you say? He said, why do you do such things? The evil things that I hear from all these people. One writer said, Eli's why is as close as he got to calling his sons to account and to repentance. But in light of what they were doing, doesn't his question seem weak? Why do you do this, boys? Why, oh why, oh why? I mean, come on, dad. This is not a time for why do you do this, boys. This is a time for an old Italian thing that my mom used to do to us in church. We grew up sitting in church. My mom would sit between my sister and I and she had what's known as the Italian vein. She didn't have to speak. A voice just came out. A vein quivered somewhere in this location. And it sounded something like this. If you touch each other again in this church, I will kill you both when we get home and we sat very properly in church after that upon death threats <laughs> but hey you know <laughs> she could only take so much he, she's touching me he's touching me she's touching me that's it the veins started to quiver and it was over why do you do such things There's, no 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 we're way past that point We're way past the point, why do you, why are you mean to your sister? No, no, no. This is time to threaten. This is time to dismiss. If that's what you're doing, get out of the priesthood. If that's what you're doing, I got news for you. You're asking for God to judge you. You're inviting the discipline of the Lord. You're not holding up that which is holy. You don't know God. That's what dad should have said. But he didn't. He just said, why do you do such things? People, I'm getting negative reports. Look at 1 Samuel 3, verse 11. We're almost done. 1 Samuel 3:11. A word's going to come to Samuel. He's going to have to report it to Eli. And the Lord, 1 Samuel 3:11, said to Samuel, Behold, I'm about to do a thing in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. In that day... I will carry out against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house. Think of the prophecy we read at the end of the chapter. From beginning to end, I'm going to do it all. For I have told him that I'm about to judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knew because his sons brought a curse on themselves. And would you notice? And he did not rebuke them. And what we know that the Bible says is Eli never rebuked them. He asks questions. We're going to see that he gives a little warning here about a mediator and what can they do if they sin against God. But he never said, stop it or you're removed. He never dealt with them. He may have been a good priest, but he was a terrible father. And look, all of these things have ramifications in life and this is serious stuff. 1 Samuel 2, 24. He says, no, my sons, for the report is not good, which I hear the Lord's people circulating, not good, it's horrible. And then he says these words. If one man sins against another, God will mediate for him, verse 25. But if a man sins against against the Lord, who can intercede for him? But they would not listen to the voice of their father. For the Lord desired to put them to death. Uh, I think other versions say it was the Lord's will to put them to death. In Romans 1, the Bible talks about people getting progressively worse with sin and not listening to God's warnings. And eventually, he God, three times, Romans 1 24, 26, and 28, says, God gave them over. Remember that? And apparently, at this point, in, All that's packed into that phrase, God gave them over. It's a scary phrase. What it basically means is, if that's the way you want it, if you want to be my enemy, you want to live without me, you want to shake your fist at my face, okay, we'll be enemies. And God's will was to kill them both because they had trifled with things that are sacred and holy. And God is holy. And God gave them, look, he could have done it years before, right? I mean, there seems, in these verses, we have years that pass by. I don't know how many years, but there's time that it has progressed. He gave them a space to repent, even through their father. Their father even said to them, hey, guys, a little warning here. And they would not listen. And God said, okay, you won't listen to warnings? Then I'm going to deal with you. And this is played out um, in chapter, uh, I think it's chapter 4, where there's a a battle and uh, a bunch of soldiers fall in Israel. I think it's something like 30,000 and both the sons die in one day. They're gone. And dad hears the report and then he falls over and dies too. And you have a family that gets severe consequences because they just wouldn't listen. He says, if one sins against another, God will mediate for him. But if a man sins against the Lord, who can intercede for him? Here's the good news. The Bible says there's one God and one mediator between God and man. That is the man, Christ Jesus, was given as a ransom for our sins. In that same section, it says that God wants all men to come to the knowledge of the truth and be saved. God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. He wants all people to repent and come to him in saving relationship. But look, some people just won't. Eli's words fell on deaf ears and they willfully rejected the Lord. And there was a warning here. And the warning was simply this. Boys, if you do this, then you're God's enemy. One commentator said, quote, if your sin, like the sin of Hophni and Phinehas, consist of contempt for the very means God has provided for your salvation, what hope remains? We sense a certain helplessness in Eli's imploring speech. They would not listen. And then these chilling words, for it was the will of the Lord to put them to death. Let's just take it into a modern salvation experience. If If you reject the one means of salvation that God gives... And you push that away, there no longer is a way for you to be saved. So if you mock Jesus Christ, whatever man uh, sows, he will reap. God will not be mocked. What did these guys do? They mocked God and they were dealt the consequences. If if people walking the face of the earth say, "I'm, I'm I'm interested in knowing God, or I want to be spiritual but they reject the very way that God has remedied for their sin because there's only one go-between. There's only one who pays the ransom price. Then what is left? You can't reject God's offer for peace to find another table to find peace. Amen? God says, you've got to sit at this table and we've got terms for peace right here. He says, no, I, I, I want to talk to them. I want to talk to him or her. Okay, but this is the only table where the terms of peace are offered. And these guys just—they wouldn't do it. They wouldn't listen. And we're going to continue to see the contrast. Final verse tonight. Now the boy Samuel. He was growing in stature, and in favor, both with the Lord and with men. In Luke two fifty-two, just write it next to verse twenty-six. It says, "And Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature, and in the favor in favor with God." and men. In some ways Samuel does foreshadow Jesus Christ. Because he was set apart at an early age, he was set apart to do the Lord's will and he grew in favor and stature. David becomes a type of Jesus as well. You could say Samuel's on the priestly side and David's on the kingly side, although, you know, some of these things kind of cross over a little bit. But but what you see is this incredible truth that Jesus Christ came to this world to be the ultimate mediator. He grew in grace and wisdom and favor. And if we kind of take it full circle back to us, that's what we want to do. We want to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. We want to serve him. We want to be good leaders. We want to honor him because he will honor us. But he deserves our honor no matter what takes place. Amen. He's a life-changing God, but He's also holy, and He doesn't want us to trifle with what is sacred and holy. Now, we live in a world that's anything but that. Uh, I'm sure you find it pretty tough sledding to try to stay in a holy framework in this world. Amen? A lot of things can push that away. That's where we need just the Lord's help tonight to say Father, just fill me so much with your eyes and your ways that I can be holy in the midst of the Hophneys and the Phineases and the Elis and whoever else is around me. Notice that Samuel, if you'd bow your heart with me and just close your eyes for a moment, notice that he was in the midst of all the junk. He was right there. He saw poor leadership. He saw poor fathering. He saw corruption. And yet, he seemed to stay on track. And Lord, we want to do the same thing. Lord, we, we do live in the midst of a perverse and crooked generation. But it is possible for us to shine as lights among them. We know we're imperfect, Lord. We know we can fall short many, many times. But thank you for your grace. Thank you that Hannah's name can be applied to us tonight. But we want to be people who are growing. We want to be better leaders. And we know the ultimate leader is Jesus Christ, the ultimate mediator between God and man, is Christ who gave his life, gave his life's blood as a ransom for us. If you're here tonight and you're not sure you know Christ, he's the only mediator, he's the only go-between, he's the only one who can settle the issue for you. He did it all, you just have to receive it tonight. So if it's you, you want to become a Christian, you just want to settle that issue, you want to have that full life. You've been barren and broken and maybe even guilty. It's something like this. And if you want to open your heart, pray it after me. Jesus, come into my life. I thank you that you died on the cross for me, that you rose from the dead. Thank you for your perfect life and your atoning death. I trust you as my Savior and my Lord. Please adopt me into your family and give me a new start. In Jesus' name. Lord, for those who are repenting and trusting in you, help them to turn from their sin and trust in you fully. Maybe for some tonight, it's just a fresh start. And thank you that you're the God of fresh starts every moment of every day. And for this precious group, Lord, just continue to have your hand of blessing upon them. Help them grow in their most holy faith. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. This is Living Truth Radio. My name is Michael Lance. I have the privilege of being one of the pastors at Living Truth Christian Fellowship. We're located in the city of Corona. And uh, we just want to express, I want to express personally my appreciation to those of you who listen regularly, those of you who pray for us, those of you who give and support this ministry. We could use your help and you can help us stay on the air and maybe even spread to more radio stations, which are asking for Living Truth Radio, and even maybe have uh, some more strategic times um, by helping us by giving to Living Truth Radio at livingtruthradio.org. Click on the donate button, you'll see on the home page, and make sure you indicate radio ministry there. If you ever want to visit the church, we're in the city of Corona in the northern part of the city, right around the uh, streets of River and Lincoln. We do two Sunday morning services at 9 and eleven fifteen a.m. And we're in a brand new church facility, a wonderful building, and have a great loving congregation. And what you hear on the radio, you will hear from the pulpit at Living Truth. Verse by verse, exposition, expositional preaching of God's word. We try to be faithful to it. Let it speak for itself and make the application. So if you'd like to come and worship with us sometime, if you're visiting southern california you're going to be anywhere near the inland empire come on by let us know that you're a radio listener i would love to meet you personally and uh, we can worship the lord together so on behalf of oscar santa cruz this is pastor michael lance we'll catch you next time on living truth radio Maybe you've been hearing these messages about becoming a new creation in Christ, but you're not sure that you know him. Well, the Bible encourages us that now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. And so don't put it off because the Bible tells us we don't even know what a day will bring. So trust in him now. The Bible says that we need to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead and we will be saved. We see this reality in the scriptures of repentance and faith. Turning away from our sin, which is repentance, it literally means to do a 180 and turn away from sin and turn to God, to do it His way instead of our way. And faith is a word in Greek which means to put our trust in, to entrust ourselves to Christ. Now when we do that, we're trusting in His person, His finished work on the cross, and His resurrection, and, and trusting in Him and Him alone for our salvation. And that's how you become a Christian. You turn from sin and you turn to God through Jesus Christ.